You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we're here with Hannah Pinkerton. I deliberated about how to introduce Hannah uh, on the show today. A lot of our listeners may have heard Hannah's uh, Hannah's name because she was previously podcast producer for the Live Different podcast, which is very exciting. Um, she also took a very nice role in the editing of the Millennial Travel Guidebook. Uh, Hannah is a our community manager for under 30 experiences. She has been staffing our North American trips. Uh, she was just out in Zion and Bryce Canyon. Uh, She's Asheville, North Carolina, Acadia, uh, so Great Smoky Mountains, Acadia National Park, a bunch of other ones. I don't know the whole list, uh, but definitely some cool trips uh, coming up. And Hannah is also, Hannah does a lot of cool things, but she is moving uh, right now to full-time van life in Mexico as a solo female travel. She has location independent coaching services. She is a Spanish teacher and uh, she's got a lot going on. A great YouTube channel for resources for people looking to uh, work remotely from anywhere in the globe. Hannah, you quarantined in Malaysia of all places. You have been uh, really globetrotting for the last several years. So without further ado, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. That was a great introduction. That was a long rambling introduction, but as I know you personally, uh, it's <laughs> been, yeah, a, a, lot to, a lot to say there. That's probably not how you would have crafted your bio yourself, um, but it's a, I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I want to start off. Right now, you are in Monterrey, Mexico. Is that right? That's right. Yep. You might be able to see Cerro de la Silla behind me if you're watching this on video, which is the notable mountain that kind of indicates you are in Monterey. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think it's over your other shoulder or at least, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. now, we can, now yep. we can see it. <laughs> That's great. And so you're in a park, as I understand, mm -hmm. you're in a park in front of your old apartment outside yep. of your van. That's right. You can uh, you can see Marshmallow the van right there. If you're watching this on video, and my old apartment is right over there. Nice. Okay. Um, quick nerdy Spanish question: How do you say marshmallow in Spanish? I don't know the answer to that. Okay, I, I had to look that one up. Okay. It's Malva Visco. Malva Visco. Malva Visco. Mm -hmm. Malva Visco. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And is it? Uh, it's probably different in different countries, wouldn't you think? Could be. Yeah, could be. Could yeah, be. Who, who knows? That's probably how you say it in Mexico. Um, but anyway, tell us. So, okay, so tell us about marshmallow, and then I want to get into why marshmallow. <laughs> okay, so marshmallow is a 1998 Chevy Express van. It actually was imported into Mexico, so it was produced in the U.S. and but it was imported quite a few years ago. Or I don't know if marshmallow is a boy or girl. I'm not sure. It's it's a van. Um, yeah, so I bought this van used a month or two ago here in Mexico. I've been wanting to live in a van for quite a few years. I've been actively looking for a van for 
probably since I got back to the US, which was in August of 2020. So several months I've been looking and looking and looking. And finally, this one turned out to be good. I went with my mechanic to check out some different vans. And when we saw this one, he was like, you need to buy this van. And I was like, I need to buy this van. So I bought the van. And here I am living in a van. That is that is great. Um, first, I will ask you. Let's get the let's get the scary stuff out of the way, shall we? You are a female solo traveler, and yep. you're about to live. In, or you live. You do live in a van. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. So let's I get do. the scary stuff out of the way. Some people are just scared thinking about Mexico in general. So I know you have experience, you've road tripped all over Mexico previously. Uh, and as I understand, because I'm very interested in doing that, especially when I was living down in Austin, uh, it's just a hop, skip and a jump away for people who don't mind road trips, um, something that is still on my list of places to explore more of. But uh, yeah, let's let's kick it off with safety how safe do you feel specifically in the country of mexico i feel very safe here i think anywhere in the world you know there you're gonna come across risks you're gonna come across areas or people that are bad or more dangerous than others and that's just how it is but overall like most people in most of the world are nice people that want to help you and that's no different here in mexico in fact i feel that mexican people are very kind and I, you know, for every like one small bad thing that happens, there's at least 10 really great things that happen to me. I mean, I'll be walking in the park, some random person will come over and start talking to me about my dog. And they say, Oh, I live at such and such house. If you ever need anything, just, you know, come on over. And yeah, I mean, people are, are really kind here. And I think that's what makes, that's what makes any culture, right? It's the people and how we interact and our beliefs and how we treat others and, um, yeah, so I mean, overall, like I, I love it here in Mexico. I lived here almost for a year, a couple of years ago, and I loved it so much that I came back and I decided that it's going to be a great place to do a road trip because I heard Mexico and Latin America described as an adult playground, like you can do just about anything in Latin America. And I think that's definitely true. And in some ways, that's a bad thing. But in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. There's a lot of freedoms and and things that you can do. So yeah, I mean, overall, I feel I feel really safe here. I mean, of course, I take certain precautions. I'm not going to go around, like showing all of my electronics and like getting drunk in the middle of the night by myself, you know, away from where I live. I mean, there's certain precautions that you're going to take anywhere. But yeah, you can't just you can't just stay in your house forever, because you're afraid, you know, you have to take some calculated risks. And I think Mexico is definitely worth it. I would I would highly recommend coming here, whether you're a solo female, a couple or whatever your situation is. That's awesome. And from what I understand, if you stay kind of, I hate to use the word on the beaten path, um, but if you don't just wander too far where you don't know where you're going, I understand in Mexico, then you're probably better at like taking the main highways, for example. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear that's a lot safer than going on all sorts of crazy back roads. Um, I hear that too. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a basic uh, kind of thing, but you're sitting in a park right now. I don't see anybody. There's actually, there's one person, okay, car going by, but um, not a whole, you know, you're in a quiet part of, of town. You you live a little bit outside of Monterey. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I live in, well, used to live in the South of Monterey. So I'm in a residential area outside of the city. 
Okay, got it. Um, well, yeah, it looks it looks beautiful. Um, and then, of course, people are wondering about COVID. So, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit more about how uh, lockdown has been, and or, or if there has been anything, and just precautions that you've seen or maybe yeah, not so seen. Honestly, I feel safer here in Mexico than in the U.S. in terms of COVID. They're taking a lot of precautions. Like people are taking it really seriously. I mean, and of course it's so hard to generalize because there's so many different parts of the U.S., you know, and, and even when I've been traveling around in the U.S. recently, like different states and different cities are having different restrictions. And it's the same here in Mexico and all the different states of Mexico, they have what's a traffic light system. So the state will either be green. I don't know if I can't remember if it's green, yellow and red or green, orange and red. There's like three or four designations. Obviously, red is the worst and green is the best. Right now, Nuevo León, which is the state where Monterey is located, is in the red zone. So there's some new restrictions that just came out, like all the gymnasiums, like sporting clubs and those kind of spas are all closed um, until further notice. Um, even convenience stores are closed on Sundays now. I found that out when I went to the convenience store to try to buy dog food and water on Sunday. And they said, you have to come back on Monday. And I was like, oh, OK. I said, is it because of COVID? And they said, yeah. And I said, OK. So that just happened a couple of days ago. But yeah, restrictions are changing just depending on like how full the hospitals are. But in terms of precautions, like, for example, if I go to the supermarket, I have to step on the sanitizing mat. They put like a mat with alcohol or some kind of sanitizer and then another mat, get my temperature taken. I have to wear a mask that covers my nose and mouth and put on hand sanitizer to enter the mall. Then when I enter the grocery store, the same procedure happens again. And they don't allow people who are over 65, children under the age of 12, only two people from a household can go into the grocery store. Um, yeah, so different businesses have different restrictions, of course, but I feel that people are taking it pretty seriously here. Even like when I go walking at the park with my dogs, almost everybody at the park, even the kids have their masks on, I have my mask on. And um, so, I, and even like, for example, I'll take a DD sometimes, to just go to the grocery store or wherever I need to go, which is like an Uber. So I'll take the DD and when I get in, every single time a recording plays from the diver's phone, it says, take precautions like ventilating your vehicle and talking to the passengers the least amount possible. Every single time it says that, and they do. And um, so yeah, I feel like, I mean, you gotta be somewhere, right? You can't just stay inside your house, like still we have to eat and there are basic things that people have to do. So I feel pretty safe doing those things here. A lot of people are wearing face shields in Mexico. It's pretty common. Whereas in the US, I've hardly seen anyone wearing face shields in addition to the mask. So I, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, you know, everyone kind of has to just face things on their own comfort level, but I feel, yeah, the numbers are high here in Mexico, but still nothing compared to the US, unfortunately. Okay, and, and then um, I, I guess my next logical question would be, how would you feel if you got sick in, in Mexico? I know that you are a healthy, uh, healthy young woman, and you're not uh, particularly at risk as far as I understand. And um, so, you, you know, you have to weigh, of course, uh, your weigh the risks. So um, uh, I'd love to know how you feel. Uh, say you had to be admitted to the hospital, which probably wouldn't happen. But, uh, you know, you could crash up marshmallow or something and have to go to the hospital. So, yeah. How, how do you feel with that? Uh, tell us a little bit more about the healthcare system in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
Well, since I'm not a resident here, I'm just here as a tourist. I can't speak too much to that. I have only used like private medical services when I've been here in the past. So I'm a big fan of medical tourism. Personally, since I don't live permanently in the US, I don't have US health insurance, but I do have a travel health insurance that the one that I use is called World No, it's not called World Moments. Um, that's what I use when I travel for U30X. The one that I use is called Safety Wing, and they do cover COVID and uh, you know a bunch of other things as well. And they do cover me here in Mexico. Um, so I feel pretty good having peace of, peace of mind having that and taking the precautions that I take. But like I said, yeah, I've only used private medical services, you know, like dental clinics, um, gone to the obstetrician for checkup, um, different things like that, you know, here in Mexico. And it's always been great. Honestly, it's it's really interesting how different the medical care system is here than in the U.S. For example, like at the veterinarian or the dentist, they will give you their phone number and you can contact them anytime and they will respond. Forget about it in the U.S. That will never happen. So I have a cat that I found on the side of the road a couple of days ago and he was, I literally thought he was dying. So I took him to the vet and I message the vet every morning. Okay, how's he doing today? And then they'll send me a little video of him. I mean, that will, it could, it could happen in the U.S., but not likely. So, um, I mean, yeah, you know, it is, it is what it is. Like if I get sick with COVID and I have to go to the hospital, well, then I'm going to go to the hospital, you know, and it's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, I don't particularly want to be in the hospital, but then again, notice neither does anyone. So yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel relatively comfortable with things here. And I think, especially for me, since I'm fluent in Spanish, that helps a lot because I, I can communicate myself and I can, I know a little bit about the culture and yeah, just understanding what people are saying. I think that helps me feel more comfortable in terms of safety, but also in terms of, yeah, just like, you know, I can go to the veterinarian and I can understand what they're saying about this cat and different things like that. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that, I don't know, I would say like, I don't know enough about the medical care system here from firsthand experience or from being a resident, which I'm not, to comment any further than that. No, that's, that's just fine. And um, yeah, I can say from living in Costa Rica, basically since 2012, um, <clears throat> I really miss, now that I'm back in the States for a while, I really miss just being able to text my <laughs> dentist or doctor or whomever. And I remember the very first time um, Gosh, I'm, I'm uh, embarrassed to admit I had a cavity and I knew that I had a cavity and I went and I sat in the dentist's chair and got a consultation about what he might be able to do for me free of charge. And he just said, he just said, yeah, you got a cavity here. And I get, I, I really, uh, well, I take my health seriously. So I wanted to make sure exactly what the fillings were, you know, no mercury or anything like that. Um, I asked them a ton of questions. I went online, I did the research, they got all their, uh, you know, where was it? his equipment was from Europe. Um, you know, the, the filling was made by 3M, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I did all the research, but the point is that there was no charge and to fill the cavity was like $200 or something where who knows how much that would have been in the States. Um, so yeah. And again, this doctor probably, or this dentist probably makes, I don't know, 50, $60,000 a year and makes a really good living. 
where the, the salary for a, a dentist, um, I don't know, you, you're talking about at least a couple hundred thousand, I can imagine. So uh, yeah, a lot to be said, I guess, about medical tourism, but just that you're able to text the guy or he'll text you and ask how you're doing. Um, we had yeah. a great doctor, we had a great doctor uh, that lived right on the corner. And now he was not a specialist, but and he was just used to fixing up tourists and locals and expats yeah. and whomever. Um, but again, I could call his office on a Friday afternoon and say, hey, <clears throat> you know, I need a prescription refilled or something. And he would literally wait for me to come in to come pick it up if he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Um, so just that I, I really miss that. You said friendly. Uh, you, you, I think you said the word friendly before, not about the doctors, but just that personal, that relationship that you can have that goes, that goes yeah. so far. It does. It really does. Um, okay. So Hannah, we talked a little bit about safety. Um, we talked about marshmallow uh god um let, let me just okay let me just ask you you mentioned you had a mechanic right here's yeah. one thing that people are terrified about when they actually move to a place is how can i trust someone like a mechanic you know you hear the old scheme where they pull your car in and you don't know, I mean, unless you're very mechanically inclined, um, I would consider myself not mechanically inclined, but I'm harder to pull a fast one by, but somebody could still be inside underneath your car, pulling the good parts off, replacing them with junk parts and selling them. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of the famous scheme in, that you hear about. Um, so how did you know how to trust someone like a mechanic? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I think this this is true for anything, you know, and the more you travel, the more you learn to rely on other people's recommendations. But I got a recommendation and I actually ended up asking the veterinarian. So I saw there was like three veterinarians within walking distance of my house. And when I moved here, I had just two cats. And I knew that one of them needed to go in for some different things that I didn't want to do in the US because I knew they would be like 10 times as expensive and they weren't super urgent. So I looked up all three veterinarians online and I saw that this particular one that's like just right over there had a lot of really good reviews on Facebook. So I was like, okay, well, that seems like a pretty good place to start. So I went to the veterinarian. I was so impressed by them. Like they were just really kind of similar to your dentist or doctor experience, just really personable, really just going to the next level and providing really quality care for a very affordable prices. <clears throat> and so I know that the veterinarian has a vehicle and they do pickup service here. It's pretty common in Monterey that, you know, not everyone has a car, but some people have pets. So they might want their pet to come in for a bath or whatever different, different service. So they'll pick up your pet and bring it to the vet. So I know they have a vehicle. So I asked them, okay, well, I see you have a vehicle. Can you recommend me a veteran? I mean, a mechanic around here that's trustworthy and isn't going to charge me too much because I'm a foreigner. And they said, yeah, actually my husband's a mechanic. And the veterinarian that um, that I have been working with, there's three of them over there. And his, his shop is right next to the veterinary clinic. So I could literally walk there from my house. And he was just so good to me. I mean, really nice guy. Like we ended up spending a lot of time together because um, he, he suggested that I go check out these like lots of cars for sale in Allende, which is like 45 minutes from here. I was like, can you send me the location? Cause I'm going to go there in Didi, which is like an Uber. And he's like, Oh, you don't need to go there in Didi. They're going to charge you too much. I'll take you. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, how much will you charge for that? For like 
two or three hours of going around and looking at cars. I think he charged me, I don't remember if it was 20 bucks or 40 bucks or something super reasonable like that. And um, yeah, and it was just nice, not only because he's a mechanic, so he can ask the questions and he can know whether the car is in good shape and what kind of major repairs it might need. But also just because he's a local and he's a man, you know, it's, it's just a different culture in Latin America. So uh, I felt like I was not going to get ripped off. Like I felt like whatever price they tell him or whatever they tell him is, is how it is most likely. And yeah, it worked out really good. I mean, he worked on marshmallow quite a bit and got a bunch of stuff done. I mean, he was super fair with the prices and I really appreciated that, but yeah, that's, that's just kind of how I do. So for example, if I didn't know anyone and I was renting an Airbnb or I was staying in a hotel, I might ask the person working at the front desk or the owner of the Airbnb for a recommendation, which speaking of which I need to get my hair cut. And so I asked the landlord of my old Airbnb, hey, is there a peluqueria around here somewhere? And she told me, yeah, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah down there. So I, I know where it is now. So I'm going to go down there and check it out. But, you know, at least, yeah, recommendations is, is a great way to do it. I mean, Facebook reviews and online reviews are good, too, if you're not able to get a recommendation. But a personal recommendation from someone you at least sort of know is, is a good place to start. That's great. And uh, yeah, I'm nostalgic now being in the States where everything is so uh, dehumanized. We talk about this at Under 30 Experiences, how we can humanize our company. But I mean, I just read Amazon reviews and have everything shipped to my house so I don't have to, God forbid, go and speak to a person, <laughs> which well, it's, in times it's COVID, mainly COVID. Yeah, yeah, of course. And efficiency and yeah there are some things like i can only imagine uh what your what sitting at the dmv was like um in you know that'll that will test your patience i am sure but uh yeah that's that's great and and hannah you you probably remember oscar uh who worked for us down in costa rica but I would just send Oscar with the truck, uh, with my truck after a while, after I got to really know and trust him because they would see me and, you know, you never know what they're going to try to charge me. Um, and so he, even though I was paying him to go do that, uh, in the long run, I'm pretty sure that guy saved me so much money, um, just by having someone there who can, you know, really go to bat for you and knows how things work around town. And uh, yeah, and just if people are listening to this um, and if they're thinking about moving somewhere, especially to Latin America, you probably, well, we all know time is money. And so um, to pay him, right, uh, to pay him to be able to go and save money, but also save me money, but also just save the time. Like we mentioned, yeah. you know, I would send him to the bank or to the, you know, wherever I needed to go um, was was really helpful so that I could focus on work so that then I could, when I was not working, I could go and play and take yeah. advantage. As you said, uh, Latin America can be a, a giant playground if, if you do it right. Um, so definitely. And, and if you're able to work online and earn money in, in dollars or your ever, whatever your local currency is, it goes really far here in Latin America, especially if, you know, if, if you're, if you kind of know how to do it, I mean, certainly some cities are going to be more expensive and some ways of travel and ways of living are going to be more expensive than others. So there's ways to live cheap and live expensive in, in different parts of the world. But yeah, if you're able to earn dollars and, um, 
and spend in the local currency that that'll help you almost anywhere in the world. That's, that's awesome. Um, so Hannah, now we have, now I have to ask why, why would you like to move? I'm sure this is a question that your family has asked that many friends have asked. Um, why would you want to move into a van? And I know that tiny, a tiny house life, right. Was really popular or was very popular pre COVID. I'm wondering how all those people are doing now that, oh, the plan was like to go to the gym and you could shower at the gym and now that's not so, uh, yeah, or okay, now I have more money so I can go out for breakfast every morning or, you know, that kind of thing. Life dramatically changed. However, I see that van life, I don't think it's slowing down uh, thanks to COVID. I think people are taking their remote work possibilities um, and and really running with it or, or driving with it. And I'll just make one delineation here is that tiny houses aren't really meant, I, I looked into this because I was quite interested in the concept, tiny houses aren't really meant to be moved. You can yeah. move them, but it's not a van that you can drive around and go wherever you want. It's like, yeah, you need an F-350 uh, truck and you better know how to drive because your house is literally behind you and um, a lot of other things. So yeah, tell, tell us your why, Hannah. Yeah, I would say my why is just to kind of simplify my life so I can focus on the things that I want to more. And for me, like, yeah, I do like the idea of living in a van and being able to take it everywhere, but it's not so much the van. It's more like what the van, the van is a, a means to the lifestyle that I think I want. I mean, you never really know, right? Because you have this idea in your head of how something's going to be, or you see on Instagram how something is, but then in real life, it could be something totally different. So, so you know, you kind of have to try things to see what works for you. But yeah, for me, it's just a way of, simplifying my life and being able to focus on the things I want, spend my time and money where I want to have the freedom to just go pick up and go. I mean, I've been a digital nomad for years, so I have had the freedom to pick up and go, but it's important for me to travel with my pets. And you can do that when you're traveling through air or other ways, but it can, it can be pretty complicated and expensive. And so for me, traveling over land, I mean, I'm super comfortable driving. I lived in my Honda Civic a couple of years ago, you know, because we were working together. I lived in my Honda Civic and traveled around the U.S. So if I can live in a Honda Civic, like for sure, I can live in a van. But um, I just thought that, yeah, I just thought it would be, it would open up, open some new doors for me. And I'm curious to see where those doors go. I would love to drive this van or hopefully can make it, but uh, or some kind of vehicle all the way down through all the Americas. Once things, you know, settle with COVID, it could be a few years before before I start that path. But um, yeah, I just I want to have the freedom to go where I want. If I want to go up to the U.S. and visit friends and family, like I don't want to have to bother them and say, "Hey, can I bring all these animals into your house?" Like I have my house; it's there. I, you know, I have everything that I need, and it's um, yeah. Like for me, it's going to be a slow means of travel. Probably in a couple of days, I'm going to drive to my first camping destination. I just got a couple more things I need to take care of here before I do. 
and that's going to be 20 minutes away. And then I mapped out another location that's about like an hour, hour and a half away. I'll probably go there next. Like I'm not in a big rush, you know, like I've, I've done that where I've driven around so far. And for me, it's not about being on the road. It's just having a, a slow moving home that gives me a lot of possibilities. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And, and Hannah, could you uh, elaborate a little bit more on maybe what you think of the slow travel movement? You've heard of um, the slow food movement where you go to yeah. Italy and you sit for four hours and you have your wine and your, you know, plate after plate and you sit and you talk and you actually really fully enjoy um, this. And uh, I, I think about this a lot because my dad was a sailor. And so when he was younger, um, when we when we were kids, we had a power boat and, you know, you don't have a whole lot. He was working full time and um, had kids and we didn't have a ton of yeah, we didn't have a ton of time. So it was like, all right, get in the power boat and zip, zip, zip around where you need to go. Um, but then as he got older, it was all about sailing and it's more quiet and you don't have to be in a hurry to go anywhere. And what's the hurry anyway? Just just sit and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I can see a lot of value in that. I think... Um... When I first started traveling in my Honda Civic, I was doing a little bit of slow travel, but I was also like, there are weekends where I was driving 20 hours in two days, you know, like, okay, I got to get up there. And then when I get there, then I'm going to stay there for a little while. And then like, okay, I'm going to drive 20 hours back down next weekend, you know, and like, yeah, that can be fun and that can be exciting. And that's, that is one way to travel. And for some people that might work out great. But for me, that ended up just like, then I was just spending a lot of time driving and I wasn't. I just didn't feel like I was able to enjoy as much. I want to be able to like, if I'm driving 20 minutes and I see like, Oh, that's something cool. Like, let me go check what that is. And then later I see like a cool little restaurant, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go there. You know? So I want to have those possibilities and like, just kind of leave things open and be flexible. When I've traveled before, sometimes I've booked everything out, you know, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to spend two days in this city and then I'm going to take the bus and then I'm going to spend the three days in this city and, and so on and so on. And what ended up happening when I've done that is that, the city I thought I was going to like a lot, I actually didn't really like, and I wanted to leave early, but couldn't because I had already booked everything. And the city that I didn't really think I was going to like, I actually ended up loving and I would have loved to have spent more time there. So I want to just leave things open to possibility and leave things open to, if I do like a place, be able to stay longer, or explore some little hidden places around there. Um, yeah, I, I've been doing slow travel for a little while now. And part of that is because I've been traveling with my pets. I was traveling around in Europe um, last year. And <clears throat> I just got an Airbnb in Spain. I stayed there for three months. And it's really nice when you travel slow because you get to build friendships. And sometimes when you're traveling, especially if you're a nomad, it's hard to maintain your relationships. If you don't have, I mean, there's different ways to travel, right? Not everyone has a home base. Some people do, some people don't, but either way, like it's really hard to maintain your relationships when you're not in person with someone. And so it can be really nice if you're doing a little bit slower travel and you can start to build some friendships or some relationships or some connections, even whether it's, you know, a business owner that you frequent or somebody that you see at the park or whatever it may end up being. Um, it can be really nice to cultivate those relationships. It's a really beautiful thing and to learn more about how other people live and see the world. Um, yeah. And just kind of build some routines as well. You know, uh, sometimes when we're traveling, it can be hard for us to take care of our health or to prioritize ourselves, you know, cause there's so many adventures and there's so much to see and do. And it's, 
um, it's nice to be able to take some quiet time and not feel guilty or not feel that you're missing, missing out on something. Um, like for example, on new year's, I ended up just, I was inside the van with all my animals and they love fireworks here. So I just, I had the window up, I was listening to music and I was literally just looking out the window, like watching the fireworks. You know, I didn't feel that I wanted to go out to a party, certainly not now in times of COVID, but like, I still wanted to enjoy. And it's nice to be able to have little moments like that that when you're traveling so I mean it could happen when you're traveling fast but I just feel there's a lot more flexibility and yeah you can you can enjoy and you can take care of yourself a little better and you know because you can get to know some of the local shops like oh this is a really good place to go and get fresh fruit or like oh man those tacos are really good over there whereas if you're just hurry 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 like you probably eat those tacos one time and never have time to go back again. No, that's great. That's one of my favorite parts of, of traveling is when you can really get to know and become, even if you're just a local for a week or two, just yeah. getting to build those relationships. Um, Definitely. Yeah, it's just so fun. I, I really, yeah, really enjoy that. And um, I'm thinking back about my first trip to Indonesia, I think it was 2012, and I just wanted to go every three days I was moving and I ended and I had, but I was working too. And so I ended up burning out so quickly. It was just it's so exhausting. And especially when you're struggling with finding internet and just, you Ugh. know, it's, it's exhausting. So it's nice when you can take it slower, especially when you're working. And, and when you, if you're able to work online, it really gives you that flexibility to maybe build your own schedule or at least just take a little more time and do things slower. Absolutely. My my breaking point was on the Geely Islands and I plugged in my laptop um, and it was like an old IBM laptop. I think I still had from college and just shorted it out uh, from whatever the issue was with the electricity there. And I was like, oh, my God, why am I why am I doing this? Why am I torturing myself? And, and of course, right when you're young, you want to go and see everything as fast as possible. You have, you've never seen, you haven't been out of the country. You haven't seen anything. So you yeah. want to try to do it all, um, which is, which is great. But uh, yeah, once you have some experience under the belt, <laughs> you, you change. Um, Hannah, you, you yeah. mentioned something that's so important and uh, you said routines. So could you tell us more about what your routine looks like and how you stay sane on the road? Sure. So I, I'm i still settling into van life. So I was telling Matt before we started recording that probably in a year, my answers will be different, you know, because you learn as you go. So I've been living in the van full time about three weeks now, but literally just parked in front of my apartment. So it'll be different when I'm driving and having to you know, move, organize things in a way for driving so that they don't fall. <clears throat> but I have been able to build a little bit of routine over the last few weeks, which is great because at first it was just so stressful. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, is this how it's going to be? You know, and I just kept telling myself, it's going to get easier with time. It's going to get easier with time. Like everything gets easier with time. And it did, it did. Um, so my routine now is I usually wake up around seven or seven thirty in the morning. Um, the dogs usually get me up around that time. They don't really like me to sleep in too much. So you know, I, I stay there in the bed as long as I can, but usually around seven or seven thirty, I get up and there's dogs jumping all over me. And usually I grab my sleeping bag and I pull it over my head. And I'm like, I'm just going to hide under here for a few minutes to have some time to myself while I'm like, my brain is waking up. So I'll, then once I, I get up, I let the dogs out of the van and they're really good. They don't, they don't go far. So I let them out of the van. They run around in the park. 
And then that gives me a chance to pack up my bed. So my bed is like a foam mattress topper. Oh, here's my cat, Chantique. Chantique, say hello to everyone. Say hello, live different. <laughs> Chantique is from Malaysia. Um, so, beautiful. yeah, she is. Chantique means beautiful. So let's see. Right. So I let the dogs out. Oh, yeah, pack up my bed. So I roll up the foam mattress topper because if I don't, the dogs will try to destroy it later in the day. So I roll it up and I put it in the front you know, like um, put on a sweater or take off a sweater or whatever I need to do to turn, you know, based on the weather, uh, put on my shoes and socks, grab the dog leashes and my mask and my keys and that sort of thing. <clears throat> and then once I do that, I just lock up the van and then I head to the park with the dogs. Usually I let them run off leash because there's like, there's barely any traffic that time in the morning. So I go running down there like, come on, everybody, come on. And they're running by and we run down to the park and I let them run around in there and do their potty business. And then I leash them up and we go over to this other park. There's like a, a little river there. It's not really a river. It's called Arroyo Seco. So it's like a very, very small stream, but they love it. They go splashing around there. Honestly, it's not that beautiful. Like there's a lot of trash and stuff there, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. You know, they love it. They get really, really happy. So we run around over there for about an hour with the dogs getting their energy out. And then I bring them back to the van and I have a little signal for the cats. So I like knock on the window. I'm like, girls, it's mama. And then I make sure that they're in the front, you know, because that's like the cat area of the van. So that way the dogs don't chase them. And then I put the dogs in the van and then I let the cats out of the van and they go in the park. And then while the dogs are in the back, I clean the litter box. I fill the food and water for the cats. And then I feed the dogs, fill their water. And then I usually take care of myself. So I do like a baby wipe shower, change my clothes brush my teeth, take my vitamins, and I'll have a little breakfast. Sometimes I'll go and get tacos or like this morning, I went grocery shopping yesterday. So this morning I just had Greek yogurt with granola and some papaya. And that was really nice. Or sometimes I'll just have like a protein bar or something like I don't have a stove yet. So my food options are somewhat limited, but I'm, you know, just trying not to eat too much processed stuff right now. Um, yeah, so I will have my my breakfast and tidy up the van. There's usually not too much stuff, kind of like put away the dog leashes, just make sure there's nothing they can destroy. And then I'll bring the generator out <clears throat> to the picnic table at the park and fill it up with gas and then start the generator and um, plug in my electronics, let everything charge. And then I'll work for a couple of hours while it's charging. And then once everything's charged, I'll turn it off and I'll just um, stay working or doing whatever I might need to do on the computer. Hang out with the cats in the park. I've got three cats sitting here with me right now. I have four cats and um yeah hang out with the cats and then mid-afternoon i'll put the cats back in the van and i'll let the dogs out i'll take them for a walk for another 30 minutes or so at the park and then come back and have dinner and usually by the time it's getting dark like i've put myself away in the van for the night because yeah i mean probably everyone already knows i live in a van because you know there's a lot of chisme here in latin america so but i don't need to draw extra attention to the fact that i'm living in the van so I like to put myself away before dark because then people are starting to come home and, you know, there's a little bit more traffic and people are walking around more. So, yeah, usually in the evening, I'll either just like chat with some of my friends on my phone or I will watch Netflix or I'll listen to an audiobook. Um, usually I try not to work in the evenings unless if I have to teach Spanish classes, some of my students do classes in the evenings. But, yeah, that's basically it. So it's pretty pretty flexible on the weekends. I usually don't get out the generator. So I'll just hang around with the dogs, maybe do some errands, maybe just listen to an audiobook or relax. Sometimes I hang out in the park with the dogs or the cats. Yeah, that's kind of my routine. It's pretty, 
pretty chill. I hope to incorporate some more hiking once I start driving, but right now there's no place within walking distance to go hiking. So we just go to the park and go walking. Awesome. Uh, personal question. Maybe you covered this and maybe I just missed it. Where do you go to the bathroom? <laughs> Everybody wants to know, where do I start? Where do I go to the bathroom? Yeah. So I go to the bathroom. I have two bathroom set up. So one is just a bucket, like just a regular bucket from Home Depot. And I double bag it with trash. So if I have to go number two, I'll just go in there and then I'll take it out right away. And, you know, there's a lot of trash cans in the street in Latin America. So I'll just throw that away right away. And if I only have to pee, I just have a big water bottle, like a plastic one and a funnel. So I'll just pee in there and then I just, you know, dump it out and clean it with a little bit of vinegar and uh, good to go. Hey, everybody's everybody's gotta gotta go, and I'm sure everybody yeah. wanted to know, so had to. I'm sure they do, yeah. And of course, like if I, you know, if I, like maybe once or twice a week, I might go to a cafe and work and charge my devices instead of sitting outside. And of course, if I go somewhere like that, then I'm gonna use the bathroom there. But if I'm not there, then you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Sure, sure, and yeah, if you're in a campground or or who knows yeah. where. Um, yeah, and if I was like totally in nature, I would probably go to the bathroom outside, but I'm not going to go to the bathroom in this park where there's like tons of people walking by. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. Um, okay, so so Hannah, I would be remiss not to ask. Um, you have a you have four cats and five dogs the number seems to be growing um or yeah. when i met you you had two dogs um now you have yeah. a lot more animals i know uh, that you have been uh harboring these animals taking care of them uh adopting uh yeah tell me tell me about your animal tell us about your animal situation because it's i know it's a huge passion of yours it is. It really is a big passion of mine. I worked in the professional pet care industry for like 11 years and I grew up on a farm. So animals have always been a really big part of my life. I had my two dogs, Max and Juby, for almost 10 years and I moved to Spain with them in 2019 and they both passed away unrelated, unrelated to each other during that time, 2019. That was really heartbreaking for me. They were my best friends. They lived in my Honda Civic with me when I traveled. Like when I had no one else and nothing else, I had them. And, it, you know, anyone who, who has ever had a pet probably knows how unconditional their love is and how beautiful that is. So I have their tattoos here on my on my arm. And after Max and Juby passed away, I, I was really wanting to get another pet. But I went to Asia. <clears throat> so I went to Asia last year in November. So November, no, not last year, two years ago, November 2019. And then, you know, COVID hit. So I got stuck in Malaysia, which honestly, it wasn't really that bad. Like, maybe I could have come back to the US if I wanted to, but I don't live in the US anymore. So, you know, what's the difference if I'm stuck in Malaysia versus some other part of the world? So I wasn't bothered to be there too much. I mean, the heat and humidity is not really my best friend. So that part was hard, but otherwise it was fine. And while I was there, I ended up falling in love with this little kitten, Anseline. She lived at, I was living at a hostel then um, in a private room and she was living there. I guess someone that had lived at the hostel before I got there had got her from a night market and then brought her back to the hostel and then left her behind. But she was living there and she just started coming in my room and like I started feeding her and that was it, you know. I, it, but it was really, really, really nice to have her company in that time because I think the the first few months of the pandemic were really challenging for a lot of us, 
practically the whole world because our life was significantly changed. And for a lot of people's mental health, you know, it was a struggle because you're, you're trapped inside. You can't do the things you want to do. You're worried about yourself, your loved ones, what's going to happen. And so pets can be a really, a big comfort in that time. And so she, she definitely was like, she was really, really great company. And then a little while later, I moved to a different hotel and I opened up the window to let Antoline play outside. And this cat Chantique jumped in just like she owned the place. And she basically never left. So I came back to the U.S. with these two cats. And then I've been, I've been really wanting to get a dog after Max and Juby died. Like I love cats and they're great company, but there's nothing like having a dog to go hiking with you or like just for the safety of when you're sleeping at night, you know, if somebody comes near your van, they're going to bark. They're not going to let anybody get in. Um, you know, the, the company, like going for walks with them, it's a really easy way to meet and chat with other people. And yeah, it's just, it's different having a cat and a dog. So I'd been really wanting to get a dog. And once I came to Mexico, which was in, I think it was in the end of September, I got back to Mexico and I had, had an Airbnb and I was asking around to everyone, like the veterinarian, like just people I would meet, like, Hey, if you know any street dogs that need a home, because in Latin America, there are a lot of animals living on the streets that don't have owners. Um, if you know any street dogs that need a home, let me know, because I would like to adopt one or two was, was my idea. I'm going to adopt one or two street dogs. And um, I ended up buying barbacoa. So usually on Sundays, I buy barbacoa down the street, which is kind of like a slow cooked beef. If you've never had it before, it's very good. And the girl that sells barbacoa, she's really nice. And we started talking about animals and she has a pet cat and I have two cats and blah, blah, blah. And I asked her, do you know any street dogs? She says, actually, I do. She said, there's some dogs living in my street that are homeless. Maybe you can get one of them. I said, okay, can you send me some pictures of them? Like, what are they like? So she sent me some pictures. And they all looked really cute. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go see how their personalities are because that's important. You know, when you're traveling with a pet, you want to make sure that, I mean, yes, it's always going to be more complicated and expensive traveling with a pet than not traveling with a pet. But you want to make sure that, you know, they're going to be friendly to other people. They're going to be friendly to other dogs. They're, you know, there's certain person personality characteristics that I knew I was going to be looking for. And so I went, I bought some dog food and I went to meet these dogs in the street and they were living under these cars and they had really bad like skin issues really really bad but they were all super sweet really friendly and just very docile and so I was like oh well they seem really nice like I'll come back tomorrow and feed them again and see so I come back tomorrow to feed them again and they all followed me home so I was like well I guess I have three dogs now so they three of them followed me home but she had had another puppy so it was a mom and her two puppies that were like six months to a year old she had had another puppy recently and so then my friend contacted me. She said, oh, the puppy's here. And also they were living with the cat. And I said, well, I can't break up the family. I mean, that would be terrible. So I have these three dogs and the puppy. The puppy didn't end up making it. He got parvo, but he was, he was, not, he was not doing good anyway. So that, yeah, that was sad. But, um, and then I brought the cat home too. And then, I, you know, like animal rescue is, is important to me. And I, I see a lot of animals on the streets and like, I always try to feed them or give them some love. And a lot of them, you know, if they're adults, like they, they don't really come too close to you and that's fine. Well, one day, right before I was about to fly out to the Vegas and uh, to our trip in Vegas for Zion Bryce Canyon, which was only like one month ago. So one night before I leave, I'm going to my van at night, like 10 o'clock at night. And I hear this meow from underneath of 
my landlord's in, which is parked right out there, I thought someone was messing with me because like everyone knows I have all these animals, you know, and I was like, someone's messing with me. And I, but of course I have to go and check. And there's this little kitten hiding up under the van. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to leave you out in the street. So I bring the kitten in. And then, um, you know, my, my female dog was in heat. So all these male dogs were coming by. And so I ended up taking two of them uh, as well. And so everybody's been vetted. The kitten still needs to be spayed. But I have taken many animals for vaccines, spay, neuter, blah, 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 to the vet. And just this two days ago, I found this cat cast off like a piece of trash. I thought he was dead. Um, but I looked closely and I saw he was breathing and he was really, really bad shape. So I took him to the vet. So he's there now. So I have a lot of animals. I plan to only keep three cats and three dogs, but I would like to find a good home for the remaining animals. And I don't like, uh, I think that I might find a good home for them in the U.S. I might come back to the U.S. in the spring. There are some big animal lovers here in Mexico, but it's a very different pet culture in Latin America. It's it's not it's not anywhere near to the level of like this is my baby like it is in the U.S. And I really don't want these animals to end up back on the street. You know, it's a it's a really hard life on the streets. And <clears throat> yeah, so I really want to make sure that I can find them a good home. And until then, I guess I'm taking care of them. So I have a, a lot of animals in a small space. Wow. That's why well, like this, we, we take turns in the park, you know, who's, who's playing in the park so we can get our energy out. If any of our listeners want to adopt, uh, should they contact you? Do you have a way of sending them, sending them to the States? Uh, yes. So I can, per yes, I do have a way of sending them to the States. I can personally drive them across the border into Laredo, Texas and meet someone there. Um, or if, yeah, there's also pet transportation services. So some, a pet transportation service could pick the animals up from Laredo and take them from there to wherever someone lives. Or um, if it's a longer term situation, I might come back to the U.S. in like April or so. And so then I might do a road trip visiting friends and family. And if nothing works out before that, then I might, I might be able to deliver them at that time. So yeah, I have Chico. He is a small, he's eight kilos, so about 16, 17 pounds. The small white dog, very, very sweet. Um, I have Ocho. She is a kitten. She's probably a five months old, really sweet and playful. She's white with some, with eight tabby patches. That's why her name is Ocho. And I've got Tiger. He is, uh, he looks like a boxer mix. He's probably about 50 pounds and all striped, also really sweet. And then the cat that's at the vet right now, he's all white with one blue eye and one one yellow eye. I think I might name him Zarko, which I only found out yesterday means blue eyed. Um, yeah, so I've got four possible animals up for adoption right now. And I would just ask for someone to pay the veterinary costs that I've paid to this point for, you know, spay, neuter, vaccines, that sort of thing, so that I'm not just, uh, just as <clears throat> spending all this money on these animals, you know, like I love to do it, but I am not uh, made of money. So yeah, I think it's fair. Awesome. Um, wow, Hannah. Yeah, okay, I know we only have a couple minutes left. Um, I do want to. I do want to ask you uh, about costs because mm -hmm. uh, people 
I know are interested in, in living this type of alternative lifestyle because of, as you said, the freedom uh, of yeah. time and money that it can it can free up. Um, I know, yeah, I, I don't know how uh, open you want to be about what things cost, um, but especially just to give people an idea of Mexico and, I mean, once you own the van, you own it, and uh, that's your that's your roof over your head. I'm sure you have insurance costs, um, but could you uh, could you maybe break down a little bit of cost of living uh, that you're incurring uh, right now? Yeah, sure. So I would say it, it really depends on the month and the different expenses that I have. I mean, you know, I have different pet expenses or different things like that. But I would say that if you want to have a really simple life in in Mexico, so just, you know, eating food that you get at the grocery store and camping in free places and driving slowly and that sort of thing, for sure, like not including any other bills that you have or any other personal expenses, but just for like living in the van, driving it around, your food, your activities, for sure you could do it on 500 bucks a month, for sure, for one person, less probably. Um, if you wanna have like a little bit cushier where you wanna go out to eat and um, you know, just like do different activities that cost more money, like for a thousand bucks a month, you would be totally fine in Mexico. For me, uh, I don't know exactly how much it costs per month. I would say probably including like all of my other bills and like pet expenses and things like that, probably around a thousand dollars a month is like, I got to at least make a thousand dollars a month or I'm going to have problems. Um, but yeah, I would say somewhere around there. I haven't calculated it exactly. The van itself costs around a little more than $3,000 insurance is 300 bucks a year the registration was i think like around 250 including like the license plates the tarjeta de circulacion um and that's good for one year and all the paperwork to register everything and i used the gestor to do it so i didn't have to go anywhere so all that was like 250 um gas is expensive here in mexico it's here in monterey it's 20 pesos per liter so i think that's around four dollars a gallon okay so it's 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 expensive just for regular unleaded um which you know a van uses a lot of gas but you can park most places free um sometimes in some like places that you might park overnight if it's near a natural attraction or something they might charge you a couple of dollars two or three dollars um yeah things are really cheap here like for example if i go and get tacos in the street for breakfast i usually get two orders one order is five tacos they're pretty small but um, i usually get two orders and that usually costs me between 50 and 70 pesos so around two dollars and fifty cents to around three dollars and fifty cents for 10 tacos um if i want to get like a really big juice that's like two dollars um if you want to get a hamburger, it's like around two dollars in the street. Um, of course, you can you can go up from there. It just depends on your you know your lifestyle and how how comfortable you want to be. But yeah, you can do it for really cheap here in Mexico. Really, really cheap. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, Hannah, yeah, this has been been really fun. Uh, I've enjoyed all of the, the insights uh, that you've been awesome. able to, to give us. Uh, I, this didn't ha cover half of what I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> but um, this is, That's yeah, right. this, this has been great. I want to link up uh, all of our show notes. Um, I, I'd love to link that uh, safety wing, that travel insurance up for people. I think that would be really yeah. helpful. Um, of course, we're going to link up uh, Speak Better spanish.com uh which wow that's a really good domain name uh and destined destined for adventure.com another very good domain name so Thank um you. I know people can check out uh, at Destined for Adventure, at Speak Better Spanish. Uh, but yeah, if people want to reach out to you, uh, are those the best places? I know you have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, where can people yeah. reach out to you, Hannah? Yeah, any of those places are fine. I would say on the website, uh, there's a contact form. So that would be a great place that goes right to my email. I'm usually pretty good with email. So if anyone is interested in uh, adopting a dog, one of my animals, or has questions about life in Mexico, I'm happy to answer those. And yeah, you guys can check out all my all my different website and YouTube and Instagram and all that good stuff. Excellent. Well, Hannah, this has been a pleasure. I can't wait to do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. You're very welcome.